during the close to the last half of the 19th century, uh, during the Civil War, when our country was as divided as it has ever been, in the midst of countless lives lost, President Abraham Lincoln declared the last Thursday of November a national day of thanksgiving. And in his address on October 20th, 1864, he urged every American to thank God for his provision and his power. This is a quote from his address on October 20th. Speaking of God, he says, he, is, he has been pleased to animate and inspire our minds and hearts with fortitude, courage, and resolution sufficient for the great trial of civil war and to which we have been brought by our adherence as a nation to the cause of freedom and humanity. Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November next as a day which I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens, wherever they may then be, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, the beneficent creator and ruler of the universe. And I do further recommend they do reverently humble themselves in the dust and offer up penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony through the land. You know, it seems like presidents don't talk that way anymore. That's not, I don't, I don't remember the last speech that sounded close to that. Instead, presidents pardon a turkey every year at Thanksgiving. Ronald Reagan offered the very first official pardon in 1987. I was just a young lad. Most years, the pardon turkey is donated to a petting zoo or a farm, which is quite nice for the turkey because, on average, Americans eat about 46 million turkeys on Thanksgiving, twice as much as, as uh, Christmas. But the turkey isn't the only star of Thanksgiving. Americans also love football. Man, we love football. And not international football, that's soccer. We like, we like football football. Football games have been played at Thanksgiving since the late 1800s. And I'm sure some of you are looking forward to some fun rivalry game. Uh, growing up with a family from Detroit, Michigan, uh, every Thanksgiving we would watch the Lions lose and it would be so exciting. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with football. And nothing's wrong with some of the festivities we have, but Thanksgiving is not about presidents or petting zoos. It's not about turkey consumption or football. Thanksgiving is about giving thanks. It's about making a choice to say thank you, not just to God, but even to others. It's a time where we remember what we're grateful for and remember who we're grateful to. And just as Pastor Kyle said, it shouldn't be limited to Thursday, one Thursday a year. It shouldn't be limited, limited to November. For Christians, thanksgiving should be a way of life. Paul gave this command to the Ephesians. 
In Ephesians 5, verse 20, he's talking about how the Christian lives. And he continues, he says, Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for everything. And to the Thessalonians, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And to the Colossians, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him. And if you're new to church, walk in Him means to live like He directs your steps. Being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Some of your translations say abounding in gratitude. In preparation for this sermon, I did a study on giving thanks in, in the Bible, and I focused my study in the New Testament. And I found that the, the main verb for give thanks uh, that we would often see in the English translation is used 38 times, and the noun is used 15 times. Not that much to go through. The verb is, and, and tell me, or you don't have to, you can't tell me, but think about how this resonates with another word you know. The verb for give thanks is eucharisteo. It's where we get our word eucharist from. In Matthew 26, where Jesus gave thanks for communion, like what we did earlier, that's why it's called the eucharist um, for some. So, the entire Christian life should be marked by gratitude and giving thanks in every circumstance, always. But sometimes it's difficult to be grateful, isn't it? Sometimes, depending on circumstances or people, depending on what you read or what you hear, depending on how someone talks to you, I'll tell you, my attitude changes quickly just by the first words that are spoken to me in the morning. I have to be really thoughtful uh, as I am influenced by the people around me and the world around me and how that changes my gratitude. Sometimes our head and our heart are in a place that can't fathom the choice to give thanks. This past week, I uh, had the honor and privilege of officiating a funeral. And uh, the family was just so, it was a Christian family, and they just loved each other and loved God so much. And I was encouraged internally personally encouraged by how grateful they were for so many things in the midst of death. In the midst of losing someone they care about deeply, they were so grateful. But sometimes it's hard to be grateful. So what distracts us or hinders us from gratitude? Because I thought about this Sunday and I thought, you know, I'll just preach on gratitude. And I looked up all the verses. Many verses, it speaks about food. It, just giving thanks for God's provision. It's mainly centered around food. And then the other verses, there's some other things we'll mention. I thought, but these people already know this. Everybody in here, I mean, who wants to sit through another Thanksgiving sermon where you're told you should be grateful? You know you should be grateful. So as I studied all the times that grateful is used in the Scripture, my attention was averted to the times that it was used in a negative sense. As far as I could tell, there's only one time in the New Testament where giving thanks is looked at as, as wrong. I never caught that before. I found other places where people were not giving thanks or ungrateful, and those caught my attention. So as I was studying through it, I thought, you know, there are enemies to thanksgiving. 
There, there are things in our lives that keep us from being grateful. Let's look at that in the Scripture. Let's take some time to look in the Scripture to see what hinders us from what is called an attitude of gratitude. What are the enemies of thanksgiving? So I want to look at a few passages in the Bible that reveal three enemies of thanksgiving. There's, there's more than three, I'm sure. But there are three enemies to thanksgiving, and the first one is pride. Pride is an elevated sense of self. It's an unholy sense of self. It's where you are on the throne of your life, or you are more important than others. Either way, it's where you have risen to a point above everything else. You're at the top of the, the pyramid. And it's the worst when pride is me over God. That's when it's at its worst. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, we've talked about this verse recently, but Paul is talking about how lost people, you and me before we were saved, people just by our nature, we resist God, we rebel against God. And, and as he writes about them, he says, For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. That word for thanksgiving is used in that verse. When we have a pride that says, me over God, we don't want to give thanks. We don't want to be grateful. Their pride blinded them to who God is and that He's worthy to be praised, and that can happen for anybody. Our pride can blind us to think, uh, to, to forget God, to forget that we need God. Pride also expresses itself as me over others. In Luke 18, this was one that I meditated on probably the longest. Jesus was telling a parable of a proud religious person. And so Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. He was grateful. He even said thank you. He expressed his gratitude, but it was an unholy gratitude. I thank you that I'm not like other people. As far as I could tell, this is the only place where there's an unholy gratitude. And why? Because of pride. Pride makes us think, I'm better than this person or that person. And if we really believe that we're better than other people, you know what's going to happen? We're going to be grateful. But that's an unholy gratitude. That's a blind gratitude. That's a misplaced gratitude. But it's not just atheist or religious hypocrites. Pride can even blind Christian, the Christian, when it's me over ministry. I found Thanksgiving used in this passage in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul's been writing to them about spiritual gifts and about serving one another, and he's, he's talking about speaking in tongues and praying and prophesying. And at this point, he's telling them, you guys are using some of these gifts, but you're not using it the right way. And so he says this in verse 16, Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks? It uses that thanksgiving word. At your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying. 
For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. So Paul is rebuking them, he's correcting them, and he's saying, oh, you're giving thanks, but you're giving thanks at the wrong time for the wrong reason, because in a, in a, in a way that you are blind to, your blind spot, you are putting yourself above the edification of someone else. You're saying thank you, but it's missing something. It's an incomplete gratitude, and that incompleteness is found in me over ministry, me over someone else. Me, I don't need to worry about the other person. As long as I'm happy and I'm thankful and I'm grateful, it all works out. And Paul and the New Testament, God is telling us, you know, there's, there's a wrong way to be grateful, even when you're grateful for something good. And so pride may not stop you from saying thanks, but it can hinder you from God's idea of how gratitude must be expressed. So pride can be me over God, me over others, me over ministry, and that keeps you from giving thanks, from being thankful God's way. Now pride also opens the door to greed and covetousness. We forget gratitude because we want more. We think of a lack of gratitude when we don't have a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. We think of this probably the most. Um, if you've ever had children or grandchildren, or worked with, with people, and you're trying to serve all of them, and then some of them's ungrateful. How come he got the bigger serving? And it's like, dude, you don't need the bigger serving. It's not a competition. It's a, everyone gets the same. Oh, it's not the same. There's 1.5% more in his bowl. And you just want to be like, dude, just be grateful. You didn't, you didn't even buy this. You didn't earn this. I'm giving this to you. This is a gift. Just appreciate the gift. Or, or you may think of the, the phrase, Never, lift, never look a gift horse in the mouth, which I had to Google because I didn't spend my childhood looking at horses' mouths. Um, but apparently, if you were to give someone a horse, the way that you tell how healthy a horse is is by looking at its teeth. I'm, a horse dentist must have the hardest job. Uh, but you look at their teeth. So if someone gives you a gift, you look at the teeth and say, how good is this gift? Recently in our house, we, uh, we had an episode where I told one of the kids, I said, hey, man, you can have the rest of this. And it was not a huge sacrifice, right? It's just food. But when dad gives the kids food, it's a sacrifice nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, one of the kids that I was giving it to said, well, how much left is there? As soon as he said that, I felt bad. What do you mean how much is left in there? It doesn't matter how much. It's a gift. I'm letting you go. Shouldn't you just be happy? And God used that moment to expose my heart. Sometimes I'm like that, where I'm like, yeah, but how, how, how big? How much? How, how, how often? I think of how much I don't have instead of being grateful for much, how much I do have. I think about what I'm not getting versus what I am getting. So pride opens the door to greed and covetousness. And most would say humility is the answer to pride, and it is. But the path to humility can only be traveled by the footsteps of gratitude. You cannot pursue true humility without being grateful. And it's interesting, gratitude totally 
slays your pride and defeats greed and covetousness. Gratitude will prevent our greed. It will open our hearts. It will expose our pride. Gratitude will bring us to our knees, but we have to remember to be grateful. So pride is an enemy of thanksgiving, and so is prayerlessness. This was not surprising, but as I read through all the times that the, the words thanksgiving are used in the New Testament, it's used a lot with prayer. Many times it's used with prayer. Paul encourages Christians repeatedly to pray with thanksgiving. I'll just give you a couple. There's more. Colossians 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert, or maybe your translation says stay sober, which I think both would be good. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer. If you're going to be able to devote yourselves to prayer, you're going to make it a conscious choice that you're going to pray regularly. Don't forget to accompany it with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about everything, anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that word is used again, present your request to God. Our prayers were meant to cultivate gratitude in our hearts. That way, when we remember to pray, gratitude becomes part of our DNA. Gratitude needs to be cultivated. It needs to be tended like a garden, right? We're not born grateful. You, you and I were not born like, I just thank you so much for that punishment. Thank you for these limits. Thank you for making me write a budget. I make my kids do a budget, and... Um, they're starting to okay it, but they hated it for a long time. They hated it so much that the other kids that weren't doing a budget, all of a sudden it's like, they need to do a budget. And uh, it's a simple budget. We do 10% ties, uh, 20% um, savings, 10% gifts, and then 30-30, I think it is. Uh, 30 learning and shared experiences like sciencey stuff, learning stuff, and then 30% entertainment. You can do whatever you want. You can always give money to the left, but you can never give money to the right. So I make them do a budget. And uh, I'm not going to lie, they're not grateful for that. <laughs> but one day, one day, I really believe, probably when they're 30-something years old, I feel like they're going to look back on that and say, Dad, we gave you such a hard time about those budgets. Thank you. But we're not born with gratitude. We have to make it a part of our lives. So whether we're asking God for help or we're praising Him, our prayers should be filled with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for who He is, what He's done, and what He promises He'll do. Because as it turns out, the more you pray, the more you give thanks. The more you give thanks, the more grateful you become. You've got to practice thanksgiving. And it doesn't just help you either. Uh, our prayers can increase the gratitude in others. There's another place where gratitude is used. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to them. This is toward the beginning of his letter. But he says, speaking of God, he says, He has delivered us from such a terrible death and He will deliver us. We have put our hope in Him that He will deliver us again. While you join in helping us by your prayers. You help us through your prayers then many will give thanks. Isn't it interesting that Paul connects giving thanks again to prayers? And interestingly enough, the prayers is just for God to move and to work, but he says if God moves and works, other people will see what God has done 
and they will be grateful to God. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. So pray with thanksgiving. Prayer is meant to cultivate thanksgiving, not just in your own heart, but in the heart of others. So the third enemy of thanksgiving is perspective. And this one is probably one we're the most familiar with, perspective. And what I mean by perspective is our perspective of our circumstances and our perspective of other people. How do we perceive what's going on and how do we perceive the people around us? And I'm not going to be able to get into circumstances, although this week I've been reminded many times of desperate circumstances that people are in. You know, when you visit people in the ICU and you know it's toward the end of their lives, there, there is a sense of um, not hopelessness, but there's a weight there where you know I, there's nothing anyone can do. And it, it makes you question, well, if we can't do anything to change the circumstances, does that mean all is lost? And of course, Jesus gives us a hope where we know not all is lost. Even when someone passes away, not all is lost. Even when someone is at the end of their life, not all is lost. But maybe our focus should be on people, our perspective of people. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. And in this context, when he says everyone, he means everybody. Like even the king, the president, the governors, the rulers, the Romans, the people that have taken us captive, they're, they're, they have dominion over us. Be thankful for everyone. So Paul's telling Timothy, you teach the church, thank God for your enemies, thank God for the people over you, even the lost, thank God for everyone. And Paul practiced what he preached. Paul commanded us to thank God for everyone, but he was no hypocrite. I can't go through all the verses, but I want to just give you a list on the, on the screen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul thanks God for the Corinthians, and he means it. In Ephesians 1.16, he thanks God for the Ephesians. Philippians 1.3, he thanks God for the Philippians. In Colossians 1.3, he thanks God for the Colossians, particularly their faith. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul thanks God for the Thessalonians. In Philemon 4, when he's writing to Philemon about Onesimus and that whole deal, he thanks God for Philemon, Apphia, Archippus, and the church that meets in Philemon's house. He thanks God for all of them, to them, in front of them, and he genuinely means it. And Paul was able to thank God for all these people because he had a holy perspective about others. His perspective about people, these people weren't perfect, right? Read First and Second Corinthians. For Paul to say, I thank God for you, if you're reading enough of that letter, you might say, really though? Are you thanking God for them? I feel like they're really not... I don't feel like they're helpful to you. <laughs> I feel like they're kind of hard on your life. They're a stress. They're a burden. You're thankful for the Corinthians? But he is. Another list I'll share with you, and I'm sorry I can't go through all these verses, but Romans 1.8, God is thanking, uh, Paul is thanking God for the Romans, and specifically, he thanks them for their faith 
And he tells them, I'm grateful for your faith. This is what brings gratitude in my heart. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, he thanks God for their faith and their love. He points out their faith and their love in Christ. In chapter 2 of the same letter, he thanks God for their salvation. I'm so thankful that God saved you. I'm thankful that you're born again and you're my brothers and sisters. In Romans 16, verse 4, he thanks God for uh, Priscilla and Aquila for their ministry to him. And he tells the whole church, I thank God for them. These people have come alongside me and has co-labored with me. And Paul wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't always thankful for people. Ask John Mark. But he was thankful because he had a perspective about people, a holy perspective that, that cultivated gratitude in his heart. He was thankful for the Corinthians, for their generosity. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2, he was, he was thankful. He thanked God for their receptivity of the word. I'm so grateful that you received God's word for what it really was, not the word of men, but the word of God. He was grateful for that. But one of my favorite expressions of Paul's gratitude came in the form of a question. In 1 Thessalonians 3.9, I feel this way about you. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? I couldn't thank God enough for you, for the joy that we experience because of what God's doing in your lives, the kind of people you are, the faith, the strength, the way that you make this church family a real church family, the way that you use your gifts in your ways, the way that you are gracious and patient and merciful. How could I thank God for the joy that, that I experience in you? Paul saw people as God saw them, and not always. Right? We do have John Mark's deal. However, the point of these verses that we find about Thanksgiving in the Scripture is meant to inspire us and remind us, if we view people the right way, we will be grateful to them. There is a way to see people with a holy perspective. So I leave you with this assignment. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. Got a big week of turkey and football and family and friends and trying to nap. I leave you with this assignment. If you would take a short, brief time today, if you have time today, maybe tomorrow, but do it soon, don't wait. Take time for the people in your life, the people around you, especially, especially those that you're having a hard time being so glad for, write down as many things about them as you can that you can be grateful for and then pray that for them. Thank God for them, for their faith, for their commitment. There is something in everyone around you that you can be grateful for. Write it down, pray it through, and thank God. Pride and prayerlessness and an unholy perspective will keep you from being grateful. It'll sneak up on you. It does it to everyone. But if you make it a choice, a volitional commitment, where you're choosing to be grateful, it'll change you. 
I have a friend of mine that uh, he and his wife went through a miscarriage and went through some hard times and went through a death. And they decided during that season of their life, they, uh, they wrote down on just a simple piece of paper, they wrote down the things that they're really grateful for in their lives. And they had a whole sheet and they framed it, a nice frame. And they framed it and they put it on their wall. And um, that has been a source of joy for them. Because without those reminders, it's easy to get stuck in the circumstances. It's easy to look at people and say, but they did this and they said that and they're not this and this and that. It's easy to do that. But it's more worth it to think of what we're grateful for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for you. Your commands about being grateful to pray with thanksgiving. I just want to begin every prayer with thank you. You have been inconceivably and immeasurably kind to us. You've been so good to us to send us your son, Jesus. Truthfully, it makes no sense to the human mind that you would suffer and die for your enemy and all that you would gain is us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for... Jesus, thank you for choosing to die. I never get over Matthew 26, thinking about when you were in the garden. Your soul was grieved to the point of death. Your friends were sleeping. They, did, they disappointed you. They deserted you. Judas betrayed you. They all left you. And yet, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. Thank you for that. Thank you for being more than an example. Thank you for being a Savior and our Lord. Would you help us to be a grateful people? There's so much for us to be grateful for. Who you are and what you've done. We know we need to be thankful for each other, the faith, the salvation, the work, the ministry that's found in each other. We need each other. And so we thank you for one another. Would you be with us this week as we're with family and friends? Help us not just to seem grateful. Help us to be thankful. We love you because you first loved us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.